Hello, it's me. I was wondering if after all these years you'd like to me to go over everything. I know time's supposed to heal you. I ain't done much healing. There's so much distance between us and a million miles. Hello. Welcome to Pop Culture Catechism. Today, we are talking about the one and only Adele. Welcome to Pop Culture Catechism. Conversations about music, movies, and the longings of the human heart. Let's get started. Where is my life going? What do I do with the regret from the past things in my life? How do I forgive myself from the things that I've done? How do I forgive other people for the things they've done to me? How do I heal from that heartbreak? Should I just give up or should I just keep chasing pavements? And where does God fit into all of this? Hello, Pop Culture Catechism listeners. Today, we're talking about Adele. I'm very happy to be joined by singer-songwriter Dana Catherine, and we're going to talk about Adele, who is one of the biggest musical artists in the world of the past 10 years. My name is Mike Tenney. I am a Catholic speaker and worship leader from Washington, D.C. I spent over a decade teaching in Catholic education. And then at night, I was trying to make it big as a rock star with my band, trying to win Grammys and so forth. And now I'm blessed to speak to people through this podcast and at events throughout the year. And I love talking with people about music and movies. And that's what this show is about. It's the gospel according to pop music and movies. So hopefully by the time we're done with this episode, not only will you have a better appreciation for the music of Adele, but also you'll have a few things that'll help you experience God's love better in your own life and help you to live it with other people. So that's what we're doing today. Special thanks to our patrons who make this show possible through popculturecatechism.com and the Awaken app. I can't wait to introduce you to Dana Catherine. Dana, how you doing? Good. How are you? Good. I'm, I'm, we, we've been trying to do this for a long time, and we actually got to meet a few months ago at the National Catholic Youth Conference in Indianapolis, um, where we were, yeah. we were both doing music for different sessions. You were in one of the mega sessions with Steve Angrisano um, and a couple of the other musicians. I was, I was, um, I, I kept saying we, we were in like the uh, Hall J, Hall Jesus. It was like the last hall all the way down at the end. <laughs> Me and my friend Brian were doing music down there with the Catholic University group. Um, so we actually got to meet, and we've been trying to put this together and it worked out. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy that we're here. So Dana, tell us about you and uh, what you're doing. Yeah, it was so nice to meet you. It was such a surprise, but not really because we all meet, I feel mm-hmm. like at NCYC. Yeah. We haven't seen each other before. We see each other there. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, thank you for having me. I am Dana. Um, I'm originally from North Carolina. Now I'm in Nashville, like so many other Catholic Christian singers, but I'm a singer songwriter. Um, and speaker, and I just travel around full time uh, around the U.S., just giving talks, uh, leading retreats, doing conferences, all of that good stuff. And then um, when I'm not on the road, I am just in the studio putting out music. Hopefully soon again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a little bit, but yeah, it's a blessing honestly to get to do what I do. I would never choose anything else. So God is good. Yeah, and I, I I listened to a little bit of your stuff, but you know, with the studio and everything, it's it's hard to tell like how good of a musician a person is just from their <laughs> studio recordings. And uh, at one after after I'd done like three mega sessions with my group, you know, while while the talk was going on, after I was done with my music s- uh, session, I kind of snuck out so I could see the other musicians. And I came into your session, and mm-hmm. I was able to catch you while you were singing, and it was like, holy cow, this girl has a voice. It's just like, Thank you. yeah, you sounded so good. You're blow, blowing out the the place. So. Uh, Aww, super talented. You so if you if you haven't listened to Dana's music, we'll have everything in the show notes with links and uh, and so forth. And I, I thought I remember seeing on your uh, social media recently you have a, a song out fairly recently called Changes. Yep, I have a song out called Changes. Um, it came out right kind of at the beginning of fall, which I didn't mm-hmm. even realize it was going to be a change of season. But yeah, I think it's definitely a lot more me than a song has been in a long long time mm-hmm. so it's a bop yeah thank you thank you so much. awesome so today we are talking about adele 
Adele's accolades include 15 Grammy Awards and 12 Brit Awards, which you don't know is kind of like the British version of the Grammys. And she's only 33. I think a lot of people think she's older just because of kind of some of the themes of her music, the aesthetic of her music, and kind of the look she goes for. But she, like, she and Taylor Swift are pretty much the same age, which I think a lot of people like get get thrown off by but she's only had four albums uh 19 in 2008 21 in 2011 25 in 2015 and 30 in 2021 the approximate ages she was when she was recording them um and she's largely regarded in the music industry as the only artist who can still make a living off of physical sales of albums <laughs> for some reason even if the if people stream every other artist they still buy adele cds <laughs> so she's she's huge juggernaut in the in the um in the music industry so let's talk about what we love about adele so what do you love about adele dana man honestly i remember when i was first uh really starting to sing in high school and i didn't sing in front of anybody i was too afraid but i loved listening to her stuff because i loved the quality of her voice i think that's number one for a lot of people but i love how smooth yet gritty her voice is um i, I just love that it hit, like i don't know for for the serious nature of so much of her music her voice just hits that so perfectly it's very vulnerable but strong so i absolutely love her voice so many other things about that that's the main thing yeah the voice is just it's undeniable and yeah i feel like so much of the production around just the instrumentation the way the songs are crafted like her producers know like this is what you're here for you're here yes. for her voice we're not going to add a lot of uh, a lot of chorus effects on the voice we're not we're going to have very yeah. simple instrumentation yeah. let her shine because this is what everybody wants and you're right just that raw vulnerability that comes mm -hmm. through it's it, it's incredible and I, I love the kind of classic aesthetic you know that she's she could have some of this music and the music videos could have been stuff um back in the 60s and 70s um and she just kind of seems like an old soul do you know what i mean yeah when i say that like and it's, sorry, it's go, timeless go yeah. yeah it's timeless so it's funny how you know i i remember i guess when i first heard her i, I think i was just in high school and yet you can have 50, 60, 70 year olds also listening to her stuff. And I think that's that's also why she's done so well. Yeah. So the fact that her music from, you know, 10 years ago, I'm still listening to now. Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty great. And I don't think she realized what a great decision that was going to be for her. Yeah. <laughs> she just went with what she felt. But, uh -huh. and, yeah. and I love that she's not cranking out an album every 18 months. She, mm -hmm. it's like four or five years between albums. And I think that really is a smart choice. It's probably a hard choice in the music industry, but you get these really well-crafted, mature albums. And there's not a lot of artists that do that. Like, I feel like Justin Timberlake does that and Adele does that. And they're pretty much the only ones that do everybody else. It's like every two years got, you know, it's the, on the tour yeah. album cycle. Um, yeah. So I think, and that, I think, I mean, not that people who are, who are producing more aren't really thinking about things. Oh yeah, and, for and sure. Best. But I mean, maybe, maybe they're not, honestly, some of them, <laughs> they just want to crank stuff out to stay relevant. But I think that especially just showcases her confidence in, in who she is and, and what she has to offer through her music. And it really does make, make sure that every single song of hers, I'm sure, I mean, has a deep meaning for her, mm -hmm. um, which we can all feel because it doesn't matter how it's taken for her to put out a new record, everybody listens to it. Even, mm -hmm. I mean, even in the future, if it was 10 years between records, everybody would still be listening yeah. because they want to know what she's putting out. Yeah. It's pretty awesome for her. <laughs> it is, yeah. It's kind of the, the foil to that, I think, for me is a band like Maroon 5 who's one of my favorite bands and and some of their songs are some of my favorite songs but they do put out albums like every two years and really if they have like two or three good songs on those albums but you could you could just wait four or five years and have like a really solid good album you know um anyway so and I love I love Maroon 5 like I said they're one oh, of my they're too, one of my favorite bands but on their last few albums, there's been a lot of filler. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, Adele does not have that. Which yeah, is very cool. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the only th the only criticism I've ever had of of her music is on some of her early stuff. Not so much now, but on that the first two albums, I feel like there were some songs where it's like we didn't need a like third repeat of the chorus at the end. Like sometimes there, there's just like one too many repeats for me. Um, but that I, that's like a very minor thing that me me the songwriter is like, yeah, we yeah. arrange this different. <laughs> I know it's like we already get what the point is now like let's just end the song a little earlier mm -hmm. please no yeah. I know I know what you mean <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, anything else you want to say about Adele artistically the thing, things you like things that you, you, know, you tweak a little I think as 
um, as a songwriter, um, it and, and somebody who's in the studio, like working on the production of the song, right? Because we know it's not just about the song, it's about mm-hmm. what they do with the instrumentation and the voice and the, the background vocals, the BGVs and all of that. It is just quite astounding how stripped down her and her producers keep most of her music. And that's just a testament to the fact that the craft is there, her voice is there, and the songs um, are just amazing. Because that, I mean, it takes a lot to carry to carry a track when, I mean, it can just be, um, I'm thinking of maybe some, someone like you, just different kind of ballads. It takes a lot to make a really good song work without a lot of production. And she's done that over and over again. Um, and I love that. I love stripped down stuff. Yeah. That's kind of just my thing but yeah and yeah. i think uh, so some of that i think comes from she's co-writing with like the best in the business you know max martin ryan tedder bruno, bruno mars you know <laughs> so exactly. that's part of it <laughs> is she just has amazing co-writers but also I, f- I feel like she's not just she uses a lot of different chords you know she's mm. not just using the same four chords so sorry if you're not a music nerd this might be boring for a second but if you are a music nerd then then you'll appreciate this so um basic music theory there's like seven notes and then it repeats the do re mi fa sol la ti do this is for the listeners dana i, I know you you know some of this stuff but um so the most chord most um songs it's like the do chord the one chord the fa chord which is the which is the the four chord um the the minor six or the relative minor is the la chord based around la and then uh the so chord or uh, no this is so the four chord is the fa chord the uh the five chord is the so chord but anyway they're based off those seven notes and but most songs today only use those four and adele uses a lot of instead of the minor six which is like the darker chord she uses like the minor two based off ray which is like a little bit sweeter or even the minor three chord which is even sweeter it's based off the me and so she's just using more colorful chords and sometimes she'll even throw a dominant in there on some of them which is a little a little bit outside the key it's like a half step below the the t in the do re mi fa sol la ti do so anyway it's just she's using a broader palette of colors Mm -hmm. to paint her picture and so that's that's part of it that's what gives it a little more of a classic feel and i've talked about this on the show before there's there's a lot of criticisms of modern music that it's it's simpler melodically and in terms of the chords that are used and so people say ah modern music is is crap and it's not is good but where the variety in modern music is happening is in the production and the rhythms and the textures and the tones that's where we're having like a renaissance in music production but adele is kind of doing both she's doing using all these different chords and textures musically but then there's this subtle production but then sometimes there's a drum machine sometimes there's you know a a different type of instrument sometimes there's a synth and so is they're very subtly taking the best of what happened in music production through the, the, the fifties and sixties and the best of what's happening now. And I think that's why her music connects so well across different, um, you know, age groups. So. Yeah. You're so right. And then of course, just the themes. I think everybody relates to all of her themes, which I know we're going to talk about. Yes. Funny. You should mention that. Dana. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So um, let's get into some of the themes. So the first uh, song that you and I both wanted to talk about, this was like her first big hit and it wasn't even like a huge hit. It was, it was kind of a minor hit, but this is what got her on the radio was off her first album, 19, this song, uh, chasing pavements. I'm going to throw the lyrics up here. Ethan, can we get that on screen? There we go. Thank you, Ethan, in our production booth. He he makes the he makes the magic happen. Oh, so this if you're uh, watching this rather than listening to it, you can see we have her four album covers there: nineteen, twenty-one, twenty-five, and thirty, and all very similar album covers. Um, there, there's definitely a consistency to the Adele look. All right, so here's "Chasing Pavement." So, um, do you want to tell us what you uh, love about this song? Like, what what themes do you see here? Gosh, well. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody relates to this, even if they're, it's funny how some people will listen to the melody, some people will will feel the overall vibe of the song and not even know what's going on. And then some people will listen to the lyrics. It's just, it depends. But whether whatever you're doing with this song, you kind of feel like the heartache and uh, the weariness Mm -hmm. that she has when she's singing this. And this was one of my favorite songs uh, growing up, especially favorite songs to sing. 
it's just the notion of like, yeah, should I give up on right now? It seems like she's talking about love. Should I give up on trying to find that right person? Mm -hmm. Um, And so many people that are called, you know, a lot of people are called to the vocation of marriage. That is a real thing to be feeling, whether you're a teenager, 20s, 30s, whatever. Um, And so I love that it is so relatable. And I think it's funny, you know, when people... (laughs) When people um, are heartbroken or are just sad over love, they want to listen to sad love songs. I don't do that. I'm too emotional as an artist. I'm like, no, no, no. Let's just numb it out a little bit. But people love listening to this stuff. They want to know that they're seen, they're heard. Other people have gone through this. Um, So that longing, Mm -hmm. I love that she captures it. Not a lot of people there's a certain uh, catharsis. I think that's yeah. I think that's the word. If I'm remembering my my SAT vocab words, that you know, it, there's kind of a sitting in the muck of what you're feeling, and the yeah. songs give give voice to that. Um, oh, I, I, yeah. I often feel that in in prayer when I'm mm-hmm. going through a really hard time. It's like I don't even know what to say to you, God, right now. Like yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. And so what I fall back on is the stuff that other people have written. And sometimes mm-hmm. that's the scriptures, especially the Psalms. Like the Psalms are my go-to. Like I'm having an emo moment and I need to mm-hmm. <laughs> have some I encouragement. Agree. Yeah. yeah. So and sometimes it's just the Hail Mary or the Our Father or the Memorare or some of these prayers that I've that I've, I've memorized growing up. When I don't have my own words, I go to these tried and true words. And sometimes I go to my favorite artists, you know, yeah. and when, when you're in the heartbreak, for some reason, there's, there's something in the sitting in it, the mourning, the, the grief that you kind of got to just sit in it and go through it. Um, yeah. but also there's a time to no, no longer sit in it and to move exactly. forward. <laughs> um, yes, it's, a, it's an interesting balance. I always tell my friends, my roommates, I'm like, you really need to sit with your feelings because God's shown you something through this. You know, I always tell people, this sounds so stupid, but I'm like, don't be afraid to cry. If you need to cry, don't feel like you have to hold it back. You know, so that's where I am with so many people. I'm like, feel your emotions. I'm I'm such a, I'm such an artist. Mm-hmm. But at a certain point too, it's like, okay, now let's just, we gotta also move on with our lives. It's the balance of both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> feel, uh, but, but keep going. Absolutely. But yeah, this, song would totally be a song that people are listening to if they don't have the words and i love how also i mean look at the lyrics it's just made up of a bunch of questions and and how many times do we know what maybe should happen in life whether it has to do with a relationship or anything else it's like you just have all these questions and you kind of know what should be happening but you don't want to admit it you know you don't want to admit what you should do they should stop there and you should maybe redirect or pivot or go where the lord's leading you and it might be away from somebody, something, you know, but there's mm-hmm. so many questions. Yeah. And I hadn't noticed there are, are a lot of question marks in this song, just looking at the lyrics and <laughs> what, what this song was making me, um, think of, uh, specifically with the, the idea of, should I give up or just, should I just keep chasing pavements is there's times when things get hard and this can be in a relationship. This can be with a career. This can be with, uh, um, you know, a family relationship or a friendship where things get difficult. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's a sign that like, okay, something needs to change. I need to set some new boundaries. I need to get some distance. I need to change direction. Sometimes that's what that means. But sometimes that just means that things just got hard. You know, yeah. <laughs> and you don't necessarily need to change anything. You just yeah. need to have some perseverance and keep going. And I, I know that that question, should I give up or should I just keep chasing mm-hmm. pavements? The, the idea of they're chasing pavements, like I'm, I'm, I'm just driving, I'm going on to the next thing. Am I, you know, should I, should I go off to something else or should I, should I stay here and, and stick it out? And I feel like that's so much where the wisdom of our faith gives us tools of, mm-hmm. dis- of discernment, right? Mm-hmm. To know, am, is this like, what's, what's going on in my heart? And is this like consolation and desolation that the Lord yeah. is letting me feel? Or is this like an attack from the evil one, you know, yeah. that's trying to discourage me? Um, or am I just kind of a little weak and selfish and affa- afraid right now? <laughs> Yeah. So um, I think the deeper you get into relationship with the Lord, the deeper you get into just knowing how to discern, which is always different all the time. Discern what he's saying, what you're feeling, what where the pieces mm-hmm. you figure out. Yeah. 
should I run away from this because this is not healthy for me or, uh-huh. or the Lord's calling me out of it? Or do I stay here? Because, you know, like life in general, there are crosses, mm-hmm. you know, God just makes them sweeter and a little bit mm-hmm. lighter sometimes, but sometimes you just got to carry your cross too. It is mm-hmm. difficult to figure out which is which though. Okay. So, so Dana, you, you and I have just met in person once we've <laughs> talked on the phone a couple of times. Now we're doing a podcast episode. So this might be like really personal, but uh, yeah. I'm going to go here the way you're talking, like, it sounds like some of this is from experience and, you know, just having, having been a musician myself, you are living in Nashville as a singer songwriter, living, living, living the dream in some sense, but I'm sure it also has a lot of struggle. Like tell me about your discernment and your vocation. How did you, how did you get to where you are? (laughs) Like with, with the Lord, I mean, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I always, I grew up a cradle Catholic um, but one, thank the Lord, one that was within a family with two parents that just really, really were seeking the Lord always. You know, my dad was, I mean, we have a huge library back in, in North Carolina, like where my dad has all these books where he's just trying to learn about the heart of God. And we'd always go to mass and know our priests and all this. And I just heard like, it, it was always just so real to know God. It wasn't just something that my parents loved like god became my first love um and just talking talking with my family being being a catholic being so involved in things it it was just the norm and so i'd pray every day growing up i don't really remember a day where i didn't at least talk to god a little bit um even if i didn't have a routine right before but discerning things just hearing the voice of god just became natural to me um and i had different mentors and whatever else but by the time i um had moved to nashville i had already gone to college in North Carolina, pretty good college. And I was going to go into medicine. Actually, I never thought I would do music ever. I just thought I'd write songs that my grandchildren would hear someday and nobody else in the world were ever going to hear. Um, and so I had already discerned, that's a whole other story that, oh, sorry, lights went off. Um, (laughs) but I, I had already discerned that I was supposed to be a musician and follow the Lord where he was leading me even after college and medicine. And so by the time that I had gotten to Nashville, I had already followed the voice of the Lord so much and knowing that sometimes what God calls us to doesn't look like what we thought and it doesn't look like what other people thought and it doesn't look like the most um, the most controlled path, or at least that mm-hmm. I have control of. So yeah, when I moved to Nashville, I knew it was the Lord calling me because I felt the peace of the Lord even if I was afraid, um, I still felt a deeper down knowing that he was calling me to something that might be difficult, but it was exciting and it felt like an adventure. Um, and I saw the fruit of it, right? Whenever I sing, whenever I write songs and share them with people, it seems to console them. And it brings my heart this kind of fulfillment that not a lot else can. Um, but it was hard. That first year, I start. I, I tell people now when they move to Nashville too, if I'm trying to just encourage them, I'm like, the first year you move here or do anything, even when you're when when it's what is exactly right for your life, it might be really hard at first. It just is. There can be attack because you're doing the right thing. It can just be just the changes of life, like the song I put out. You know, change can just cause us to kind of have some desolation or or fear or sadness. It was hard. And that's when like relating to this song, I was thinking, there was a thought in my mind, like, you know, is this a sign that I should give up and I should go home? Or maybe I'm supposed to do something else. Um, or should I keep going? Mm-hmm. And that was just, you know, sometimes you, when you're just you're praying every day, you rely on God's strength and you just ask him, like, open the doors that need to be opened and I will keep going, even though this is really hard. Give me the peace, even through the fear and the chaos and the wariness. And he just kept giving me peace. He kept giving me the strength to keep moving forward. And eventually I just found myself with a lot of open doors, too. It didn't come right away. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's kind of hard in the spiritual life. Sometimes there's just like a knowing, right? Yeah. And then there, there are people around you. That's why you have to create community around you. Mm-hmm. You know, hopefully people have good family or if they don't, just good friends, mm-hmm. mentors, where it's like, hey, do you see that God's also leading me in this uh-huh. direction with whatever it is? Like, I, because I, I'm going to humble myself and say, I don't know everything. So please, do you see the fruit of this? Do you feel like God's leading me here? And everybody was pointing me in the right direction. And so obviously you can tell I'm a speaker. I can talk. <laughs> no, no. Bye. So, so, so thank you for that. Cause th- this is, I want to, I want to hone in on a few things that you said. Okay. Yeah. Um, first of all, you talked about the importance of a community and mentors and yeah. like so many, so many, uh, you know, I taught for a long time and so many of my students, they're on fire for their faith in high school 
or even in college. And it's because they were part of a good community. And then either they go off to college or they get out of college or they're in a place where that community isn't already built in and they haven't been able to find it or maybe they haven't taken the time to find it. And all of a sudden, like a couple months later, they're like, what happened to my faith? And and I like clockwork every like September or October or November, I would get emails from my seniors from the previous year who were now in college and I'd get at least one or two emails every year to just be like, Mr. Tenney, I don't know what's going on. I'm having a hard time or whatever. And it's the, these times of transition. Like yeah. they, 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 they were, so they hadn't, they hadn't had that community. The other thing you said was that you had a peace, even when things were difficult, like yeah. that is a sure sign from the Lord when things are rough and you still have that peace that is a sign that things are going right. And the inverse is true also when things are going well, but yet you have this discontent, right. And you can't necessarily nail it down. Um, there was, um, I, I, I've shared this on the show before, but I, I dated probably way too much. Like I dated so much. And (laughs) one of my, uh, one of the relationships that was like a pretty long relationship and on the surface, there was like no deal breakers, You know, like, I mean, nobody's perfect. There's things that we could talk about or whatever. Like there (laughs) there were maybe some issues, but there was nothing that was like a deal breaker for me with this relationship. But there was like, things were going well on the surface, but there was just this growing discontent. And so the daily prayer that you talked about and just kind of saying like, God, am I, am I like afraid of commitment here? Is that what's going on? Am I being selfish here? Is that what's going on? And I talked to some people that know me, some people that, that knew her and just kind of being like, what, you know, is there something I'm not seeing? Like, why is it that there's this growing discontent in me? Mm -hmm. And I eventually got to the point where, you know, I broke up, broke off the relationship and it was really hard and, um, for both me and her, but you know, in retrospect, it was totally the right um, de- decision. The The last thing that you said that I, I wanted to, to hone in on is the idea that when you discern, you can have confidence that what you're doing is yeah. the right thing. Because, um, and I've shared this too before on the show. So my wife and I, I kind of expected when you get married, there's like that honeymoon period where things are awesome and great. And then maybe after a little while, you kind of got to like... F- fight to keep the love alive, you know, like things start to, to wear off a little bit. And my experience of marriage was not like that. It was like from the get go immediately, holy crap, this is hard. And then, and then like slowly over the years, like, oh, this is getting better. This is getting better. This is getting better. This is getting, and like, we, and like our, our marriage is in a, like the the best place it's, it's been, we've been married 10 years, but it took a while to get there. And what Mm. kept up a lot of what kept us going in those first few years was knowing that we had discerned each other. I had discerned that I was going to marry her. She had discerned that she was going to marry me. So when we hit those really hard times, the question in the back of our mind was not, did I marry the wrong person? Yeah. The question, it was undeniable to me that God had called me to marry her. And it was undeniable mm-hmm. to her that God had called her to marry me. And there's, there's much more to that story. But because we had that habit of prayer, because we had built that skill of listening to the Lord, when we hit those hard times, we could have confidence that we were still on the right path. So, yeah. Oof. <laughs> I love that so much. I really like, I'm sorry. I know this is an interview, but I just want to keep hearing more. This is great. I just feel like you're teaching me. Awesome. I feel no, like you're teaching me too. So, yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> no, it is so true. Gosh, so many of the things that you're hitting upon, even relationships. I'm in my, my 20s. I, I'm not married yet, if that's what I'm called to. Mm-hmm. I completely feel the same way. And in retrospect, um, sometimes you can see the clarity, but I mean, you know, unless you have some type of anxiety disorder or there are things you have to work out in therapy stuff, or you you know, you're generally just an anxious person, which I know uh, a lot of people like that, you can really follow the peace, mm-hmm. you know, and there have been times in relationships, for instance, where everybody knows all of my friends know, like I am known for being very laid back. I like to have fun and stuff, but I, I am laid back mm-hmm. and I'm a very generally peaceful person. Um, to the point where I give talks on how do you find peace? Cause mm-hmm. I just, I'm so all about it. And it seems like the relationships where the Lord was calling me out of them, even though I love those people. Um, and it seems so good on the outside. So many things I desired in a person and vice versa. Um, the only thing I could be sure of is that I had a growing discontent, growing anxiety over it, growing stress. And I couldn't even, you know, sometimes you can't put your finger on it. And that's not just with relationships. That's with anything in life and sometimes when you walked with god so much or even when you haven't if 
if you are feeling that lack of peace, sometimes that's all you really need. You have to take a step of trust and be like, okay, this is not what the Lord is calling me to because he would give me peace, a deeper peace um, with whatever he is calling me to. Okay. So, so we've talked a lot about discernment, discerning, discerning career, discerning relationships. Okay. So we got to talk about like the thing that most Adele songs are about breakup breakups. Okay. So, and a lot of her songs are about trying to find closure from these Mm -hmm. breakups and her, her new, her new album is like all about her divorce and stuff, but, but her, her, probably her most famous song is, um, never, Someone like you. I wish nothing but the best for you too. Don't forget me, I beg. I remember you saying sometimes it lasts in love, sometimes it hurts instead. So, and then the other song I'm thinking of is, uh, um, you look like a movie. You sound like a song when we were young. There's mm-hmm. there's several songs where it's like the relationship's over, but yeah. uh can we talk about this and like try to find some closure? It seems like Adele really struggles with the relationship is over, but I'm still trying to find closure from it. And so I'm yeah. wondering if we can talk a little bit from, you know, you sounds like you, you've dated a bit. I definitely dated a bit. Um, <laughs> how do you deal with a breakup? Either if you were the one that was dumped or you're the one that, that dumped or whether it was, it was mutual. Like, how do you, how do you deal with that heartbreak? Oh gosh, it is. <laughs> easy, easy question. I know. <clears throat> it is so hard. It's like, do you want to get into the practicals? Do you want to get into the spiritual? Um, I think overarching, though, is just like you said, just like you said when you were going through hard times with um, your wife and you both knew that you had discerned this is the person I'm meant to love no matter what is happening. And that kind of gave you peace to move forward and to not wonder, like, should this end? Obviously, as Catholics, you know, this is a sacrament. It shouldn't, you know, be ending anyway. But like to not even have have that thought. I think it's the same thing with a breakup, whether you're the one that has been broken up with or you're the one that's broken up with somebody or it's mutual, at least there can be a peace, even if there is no closure, whatever that means for you. Like, at least there can be a peace in knowing that that other person, they've discerned you're not the one for them or you, you've discerned this person's not the one or both of you have. And so that has to be enough sometimes, even if we don't see the future and, and maybe the person God has for us or for the other person. Um, so that's the number one thing it's good to hold on to. So um, let's, 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 I've, <laughs> other people legitimately put post-it notes. Yeah. I was just going to, you put post-it notes. Post-it, post-it notes saying like, I mean, this sounds so crazy, but like, you know, like this is God's will. You made the right decision just to know that, mm-hmm. to know that, or they made the right decision, mm-hmm. you know, cause if somebody doesn't want to be with you, it's just, that's that's God's will right there. If somebody mm-hmm. hasn't chosen you, or vice versa, yeah. and that's at least overarching thing to stand upon yeah. when you're going through a break. There's so many other things. Yeah, well, was- and just I feel like going back to God, and not that Oof. you not that you were away from God when you're in a relationship, but I feel yeah. like kind of a re it's it's a good time. A breakup is a good time for a refocusing on God. Mm-hmm. Let Him remind you of like who you are, because it because I feel like yeah. any breakup, if you're the breaker upper or the one that was broken up with, <laughs> there there is kind of this wound to your identity, it breaks your heart. And so I feel like returning to God and letting him remind you like, Hey, let me, let me remind you, you're my beloved child. And this is who you are. And and, and investing in that is, is, is really helpful. And I think also investing in yourself, this is a little more practical, but just like, all right, you know, get in better shape, take up a hobby, go on a, go on a trip, like (laughs) do, do something that's like productive and healthy and good for you. Um, so anyway, maybe, it, maybe do not it, wallow. Yeah, do not wallow. Even it's funny. This it's the first time that I would ever say like, don't honestly be pr- like. I'm somebody who's who's not like I love. I could pray forever. I said mm-hmm. if, if I was called to be a nun, which I don't think I am, but if you know, I could. I could just pray all the time if if that was what the order was called to. I love it, but only during breakups. It's the one time I'm like, okay, Dana, have a prayer routine, but do not sit alone. Yes, uh-huh. Be with the Lord too much, because you know, like your mind is just going to go everywhere. You're going to start crying. All, like just spiral. It's not the right. <laughs> You're going to spiral. 
you have to know what's right for the season of life you're in. Yeah, um, I definitely had a, I definitely had a spiritual director one time after a breakup and be be like, "You're praying about this too much." And I was like, "Because he's like, you're not really praying. You're just like <laughs> dwelling in it really? and being anxious. And like, what you need to do is like a prayer of surrender and then yeah. let it go. Like, what you're trying yeah. to do right now is kind of like control it, and you're kind of freaking out about it. And like, that's not like the sort of prayer." Like yeah. that, that is, is going to be good for you. Like always go to God. Like there's, I don't think there's any prayer yeah. that's quote unquote wrong, yes, but exactly. I think we should try to pray with the spirit of surrender, not a spirit of anxiety. Yeah. Like we're trying to control yes. the situation and fix the situation. Like if, if yeah. I pray this enough, if I pray the right way, then it's going to fix things. And it's, yes. it's almost like a little superstitious, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, and once again, it's like, you have to know you're not in control. So right now oh. you've got to get through you know, you've got to get through the next day. There, there are a few things in life where you're like, okay, I just need to get through the next day and it's going to be better. It's going to get better. Even if right now it's seriously, I can't see the light, you know, but, <laughs> like, but, but Dana, I really like being in control. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's so funny too, you know, I mean, maybe other people don't relate to this, but being in ministry, mm-hmm. I have realized over the past like five years that I've been doing it when I hit things hit snags where whether it's in a relationship or, or anything in life where I'm trying to make a decision, I realize more and more how much I do think that I'm supposed to be in control because I'm the person that is supposed to, supposed to God doesn't have, he's not saying that to me, but mm-hmm. in my mind, I'm supposed to have the answers. I'm supposed to know how to move forward with things. Yeah. I'm supposed to know how to mentor people. So if I can, if I can help other people on their way, why can't I figure it out in every single moment, mm-hmm. my own life, you know, it's like, no, surrender we are not in control that's where the most freedom comes and healing Mm -hmm. but yeah and then practically too hang out like whatever you couldn't do in your relationship before whatever you were desiring to do or just whatever makes you come alive you got to know yourself but what sounds fun to you what what like surround yourself by people Mm -hmm. yeah pick up a new hobby go running if you weren't running before uh find a new book audio book whatever For me, like for instance, I've picked up even more songwriting, booked up my, mm-hmm. my, you know, cause that's what I love to do. Mm-hmm. Fill up your time. You know, we, we also say like, you should really rest with the Lord, make time to not be busy all the time in life. Mm-hmm. But in that season of life, it's like, you know what, yeah. just, just do things and the Lord will be with you in them. Yeah. You know, it's you- okay to make yourself a little bit busy. Like I, I feel <laughs> like, um, you know, Aristotle and Thomas Aquinas, sorry, this is, this is what we, we get for having a former Catholic high school theology teacher as a podcast, a podcast show host. But um, <laughs> one of the things from uh, Aristotelian philosophy is the idea that virtue is this mean between extremes. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times mm-hmm. there, there's like, you're doing too much and that's a vice yeah. or you're not doing enough and that's a vice. And I feel like that keeps coming up with like, do, do I sit in the muck? Well, if you sit in the muck yeah. too much, then you're just mm-hmm. dwelling mm-hmm. in it and spiraling. But if you don't sit in it at all, then you're just like ignoring it and shoving it under the rug. Yep. And like you keep yourself too busy uh, the same yep. sort of thing. You're just kind of brushing under the rug. But if you're yep. if you're not doing anything, then it doesn't help you move forward. And so so much of this just comes down to to prudence and temperance yep. and moderation of you know you you got to do these things in the right amount. And I I find so often when I'm in the hard situation, I have trouble seeing that for myself. And mm. that's why again, what you were talking about the community of some yep. friends and some mentors yep. and some 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 older people. Like I, I think. Something that I've learned as I've gotten older is it it's great to have friends that are not your age. And I think growing up and yeah. going to school and college, you always kind of, even people that are like a grade younger than you, sometimes it's like weird to be friends with them. If you're in fourth grade, <laughs> it's weird to be friends with the third grader. But like so I've developed like really great relationships with people that are 20 mm-hmm. years older than me, mm-hmm. 30 years older than me. And there's like such a mentorship. I remember when I, um, when I was first having my daughter, um, I just found Every, I have all brothers. So like, I know, I know very, very, very little about like, you know, what, what it is to be a, um, you know, a young woman growing up and having a sister. And so I was like, I I need to talk to fathers of dads and, or I'm sorry, dads. Yeah. Fathers of daughters. Thank you. That's what I was trying to say. And I got such good advice Mm. from those friendships. And so, um, I feel like as, as having some community, just not just people your own age, but some people that are older that can give you some perspective that is like, yeah. honey, I know this feels, buddy, I know this feels like yeah. it's the end of the world right now, but 
you're going to get through this, you know, and you're going to be okay. And five years from now, maybe even five months from now, it's not going to seem like that big of a deal. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, Mm -hmm. it's nice when, you know, it's nice to be that person, but then it's also to be the person that's speaking into somebody's life. Mm -hmm. But then when you hit a hard time in life, whatever it is, you thank God, if you've created that, that infrastructure of people, you thank God that other people are there for you. Mm -hmm. And so I'd advise people too. Maybe it is when they're going through a really difficult time mm-hmm. trying to find that community of people. But also if it's going really well and you and you realize you assess your life and you're like, I don't really have that many people in my life that can speak life into me. Start building that infrastructure now yes. so that you don't have to do that in the good times. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad in the good times I've built that because then in the really difficult times, that is truly like these people and their love and their wisdom have carried me through. And, you know? it, and it has to be built. It takes a lot of effort. Like w- once, once you're no longer in, in high school and yeah. college or even, even, I mean, I think the older you get, the harder it gets to like develop friendships. Yeah. It takes some real effort, but it is so, so worth it. Um, it and worth and it. I think even, even the way that you and I first got connected was through the Catholic creatives community online. And that's how I got connected with Awakened Catholic. Like, and yeah. some of my deepest friendships now as an adult have come through meeting people like through a community like Catholic creatives. And then we developed real relationships. So sometimes it takes going online to find some (laughs) friends. Um, like, uh, my, my cousin and I play video games cause he lives in Chicago and then I live in DC and like, I've become really good friends with some of his friends just cause we like <laughs> shoot aliens together, you know, twice a month, you know? And so like look, looking for opportunities, uh, like that. Um, but sometimes yeah. to find a friend, you really need to, to work on it. Um, can we talk about, you, you mentioned this song you wanted to talk about turning tables and yeah. this was not a song that I was real familiar with. I think I've heard it before, but it's, it's not one I've, I've like jammed out to, but looking at the lyrics, it, I don't think it's just talking about heartbreak. It's talking about like yeah. some abuse. And so we've, yeah. we've talked about how to heal with, how to heal from breakups and how to move on from that and that sort of thing. Can we talk about like when there's red flags, when you need to like yeah. set, set some firm boundaries when it's, when Indeed. it's, it's more than just a breakup. This is like self-preservation. Can we, can we talk about that? Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, going back to history of breakups and and mine and my friends and just, you know, walking with so many people through things, it is amazing how often a relationship wasn't just like a healthy relationship that ended, but it ended with some kind of, uh, you see in retrospect, there was some type of codependency, there was some type of just like emotional some kind of abuse, something that needs to be healed. And, and what's amazing is so many people don't even know they're doing it to one another. Mm-hmm. It's just unhealthy people that are wounded that end up attaching in, in an unhealthy way. Mm-hmm. And so like in, in these lyrics, it says, I will rescue you. Um, so you can just desert me. I feel like that just, that's some kind of unhealthy attachment style there with one of those people in that relationship um, or both, you know, mm-hmm. like the savior complex, whatever it is, we all have those things. Um, and it is really, really hard to love somebody, um, and to see all the good things in them and to realize though, this is not good for me, mm-hmm. you know? And because of that, I have to cut things off and you, you have to be, people would say you have to be a little selfish, but that's not selfish. That's just loving yourself. Like the Lord loves you and you have to watch out for yourself first so you can be filled up. Yeah. I okay. mean, somebody like me, everybody knows I am the biggest empathetic person. So that kind of makes, I mean, once again, anybody in ministry, you want to love others. You want to love them through their brokenness, their wounds. But when it comes to relationships, even if that has to do with a family member, somebody like the Lord's given to you, but you have to create these boundaries. I would advise anybody to read um, those books uh, that have to do with boundaries. Do you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Boundaries and in relationships, yep. boundaries in friendships. I, I forget what it's called, mm-hmm. even in engagement, stuff like that. Uh, we'll figure it out. We can put it in, in, in the whatever. show notes. Yeah. Yeah. So yes. what, um, what you're making me, uh, think of here is, uh, you know, ev- everybody has issues. Everybody has, yes. has in, in like, you know, I'm, I'm not a perfect person. I, I love the people in my life imperfectly. Um, yeah. and, uh, so it's hard to know sometimes like when I'm at, when am I being loving and forgiving and yeah. when am I, like enabling an abuser when, and, and I think the way that 
you know that is how does the person respond yes. when you bring it up to them? Okay. Yeah. Is and this we were I just did an episode on a, a it's called boy band marriage prep. We had a marriage counselor come in and uh, <laughs> Regina Boyd, she's awesome. But anyway, we talked about we through the lens of boy bands, we talked about like how to have a healthy marriage and a healthy relationship. It was good. But one of one of the things she said is like the four horsemen of the apocalypse, she calls it for a relationship. Is she says Ooh. um defensiveness and contempt. So when like somebody like brings something up to you do you get immediately get defensive and contempt is like, well, you always do this. How dare you bring that up to me? And like, that's a sign. If somebody can't change, if somebody yeah. can't adapt and be open to what you're saying, like if you bring, I, I, I remember, and hopefully my wife doesn't care that I'm sharing this too much, but like um, in one of the first years of our relationship, like there was one time she, she, she spoke to me in a way that was kind of out of line <laughs> and it was fine. It happens. I've, I've done it too. And, yeah. and, and I said, I just said something. I don't remember exactly what I said. It was like, you shouldn't talk to me like that or please don't talk to me like that or don't talk to me like that or whatever. And she like really took it to heart. And yeah. that was like such a sign for me that, that like, okay, so she got mad and she said something she shouldn't. Who hasn't done that? Okay. But like, she is so responsive mm -hmm. to when I say, this is what I need. This is what I feel like. And I try to be the same way for her. And like, that makes such a difference. So what it reminds me from, from the scriptures yeah. is when uh, all the different places in the scriptures where it talks about having a hard heart versus mm -hmm. a soft heart. Uh, I think mm -hmm. it, it says in the book of Ezekiel that God will take your hearts of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Or it talks about um, the hardened heart of Pharaoh or Jesus being grieved at the Pharisees because of the hardness of their hearts. And if we have that hard heart, how can we ever grow in a relationship? And yeah. so I, I think if, if you are in a relationship where you're, you are questioning, am I being loving and forgiving here? Or am I being walked all over and enabling abuse? Yeah. I think that's a question is, does this person have a heart that's so hard that I can't address it with them, right? Maybe the issue is I haven't brought it up to them because I'm too scared yes. of confrontation. That's a whole, whole other, that's a whole other issue. <laughs> okay, exactly. yeah, me too. Maybe I'm too much of a people pleaser and I don't even bring yeah. it up, which is I'm not even giving that person a chance to love me because I haven't yeah. even told them what's going on, <laughs> okay? Yeah. Guilty, I'm, I'm that. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> if you've brought it up in a loving, you know, non-confrontational way and they still have that hard heart, Big old red flag, big old Huge red flag. flag. I've, <laughs> yeah. I've realized through dating, it's amazing how many red flags do you have to do have to do with communication? Cause you know, in marriage, I mean, mm -hmm. there are going to be really hard things in life. Yeah. And so if you can't even through what, what should be some of the easiest times when you're like falling in love with this person, probably mm -hmm. if you can't even bring up something that's kind of smaller without the other person getting defensive or it becoming a huge thing, mm -hmm. that might be hard to get through like really, really, really serious things in life in the future for mm -hmm. the next decades. When you yeah. have children, you have more stresses of life. Mm -hmm. But I've also to piggyback off of what you're saying. It's so true. It's good to see if somebody has a heart that is malleable and that's full of love that, you know, we're wounded people. We're, we're not perfect. You know, I, I don't handle things correctly, but are we learning and are we trying to grow when somebody tells us that we've hurt them or they don't like the way we're doing something? But then with that, it's also good to know somebody can say they're sorry. They can say they're going to change. But if you continue to see a pattern, you know, especially in communication and the way you're treated of, of disrespect, like you just got to ask yourself, do I feel respected by this person consistently? Mm -hmm. Do I feel like they're actually hearing me? Because they could say they're hearing me, but then nothing's changing. So is there a pattern of me not feeling like seen and heard and taken care of and supported? Mm -hmm. Then honestly, that is a one of the biggest red flags, mm -hmm. I think, ever. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I, I you mentioned this before, but I wanna I think it's it's worth saying again is I think there's a different way to handle these. If you're if you're in a dating relationship versus yep. in a married relationship, totally. we, we as we as 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 Catholics and Christians like that those are totally different paradigms, totally different situations. Yep. If you are yep. if you are unmarried and you and you're you're experiencing these things then it's probably time to cut the cord. But if you're not in marriage. Yeah, but if <laughs> if you are married and, and sometimes there's abuse and you need you need to separate yourself, yeah. you need to protect yourself, but in marriage there's there's a different commitment with that you signed up for and you said as part of a sacrament and you stood up in front of uh you know your family and the Lord and the church and said in sickness and in health in good times and in bad and um there, you, you might have to do, you're, you're going to have to do some more work there. And again, not, not mm -hmm. that, not that, um, 
you know, if some, if somebody is like really abusing you that you have to, you, you, you can't be separated or find ways to yeah. protect yourself. But I think there's more of a, there's definitely a much, much higher bar for, uh, exactly. for, for stepping away. And, um, and so, uh, and, and I think as Christians and Catholics, sometimes we can kind of over spiritualize that and be like, maybe we need to speak to a priest. Okay. That's fine. But really you need to speak to a marriage counselor yes. <laughs> and, and you can't, yes. you can't like, you need to do both. You need to handle, handle the, the spiritual and the psychological and like priests are great. I know some awesome holy priests and meeting with them has been good for me in my marriage, but spiritual direction is not therapy. It's not counseling and a counselor who is specifically trained to, to handle these situations has seen people yeah. like you in your relationship and knows the dynamics and knows how to help you walk through them. And the sooner you start, the easier yeah. your journey is going to be. If you wait until you've had five, 10 years of bitterness growing and you guys trying stuff and it not working, it's going to be a much harder road. I'm not saying it's not possible, but it's going to be a much harder road than, hey, we're having some issues. You know, maybe we could benefit from seeing a counselor. Yeah. Like, you don't don't wait until your marriage is like on the operating table with. I with, love that you're saying that. You know, like go it's go so proactively. You know. Well, I was just going to say the word proactive. I think there. So there's not really a stigma around therapy and counseling for me because like so many really really healthy people in my community of, of friends that i know have gone to counseling i have one of my best friends is in grad school to mm -hmm. become a counselor and yeah. she's in the midst of counseling people now i've been uh to counseling for different things like i think there's such a stigma around it that people think they're admitting that they are like they are so far gone and they can't help themselves and and there's just this identity uh, there's this perception that I'm like so weak and this just doesn't look good at all to other people it or to yourself. You need to take away the stigma from counseling, mm -hmm. you know, and just look at it as another channel of, of God's grace mm -hmm. because God, I was a psych uh, major. And so I kind of wanted to go into counseling too at some point, but it's amazing that the spiritual works with the psychological yes. God created our psych, like our psychology. So, so many things when it comes to the Catholic faith, it actually is just really great psychologically for us mm -hmm. and psychologically good things for our brain, our mind are really, really good spiritually too. It works together. You need mm -hmm. both. Yeah, I, th I think at this point I've had like three or four, counselors, psychologists yeah. as guests on that show. We just did an episode <laughs> with, uh, with, uh, Jake Kim on Batman and like the psychology of Batman. And so anyway, mm -hmm. I, I 100% <laughs> agree. All right. We don't have a whole lot of time, but we need to talk about this song, which is actually, it's a cover. It's a Bob Dylan song. Um, but it's been covered by a bunch of people, Billy Joel. And I think my favorite version is Adele and, and, uh, whenever I think there's this thing that musicians say sometimes that like, you know, covers are never as good as the original version. Um, and whenever I hear somebody say that, I was like, go listen to Adele's version of to yeah. make you feel my love and compare it to Bob Dylan's like <laughs> Bob Dylan's the lyric writer, but like Adele's version is way better. Um, and this song, if I remember how to play it, it just reminds me of Jesus. It's just when, when the rain is blowing in your face. And the whole world is on. I don't remember how to play it. But anyway, <laughs> it's really beautiful. And my, my listeners are used to me uh, trying to play songs off the top of my head and butchering them occasionally. <laughs> so, um, But this song, if you listen to the words, um, I know you haven't made your mind up yet, but I would never do you wrong. I've known it from the moment that we've met. No doubt in my mind where you belong. I'd go hungry. I'd go black and blue. I'd go crawling down the avenue. No, there's nothing that I wouldn't do to make you feel my love. Mm. Who like we can aspire to that in humanly love, but the only person who literally is gone black and blue and gone crawling mm. down the avenue to make you feel their love is Jesus. Yeah. Dana. Tell me about Ooh. tell me about Jesus. Why is he so great? Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh, it is so true. I mean, of course, in the good times mm -hmm. uh, or the times that we see as good, right, where everything seems to make sense, it is so easy to to say, you know, Lord, thanks for everything, but you know, we can just like kind of be distant friends right now, um, and hopefully, as you as you move forward in life, you're, you're not just you know saying like, okay, goodbye, God, during the good times. But that happens often. 
but it is truly, like we said, we've talked so much about heartbreak, heartache, um, confusion. It's during those times. It's during the times when, like my first year of Nashville, when I felt isolated because I didn't know people. I didn't even know what was happening in my life. God, did you actually call me to music? All of these thoughts running through your mind and you just feel lonely um, and kind of broken and wounded, whatever it is. That's Those will always be the times where we look back and we saw Jesus's love in a way that we never could have if everything was all good all the time and we felt so put together. Um, and so it's always, you know, in my talks or when I'm talking to just my friends, whatever, and trying to console them and lead them to the Lord, I am always thinking about those times where the Lord was just carrying me because mm-hmm. I felt so amazingly weak. And um, once again, that's reflected in the covenant of marriage, right? Where you have to be carrying your spouse at certain points, but it is only perfectly seen when it comes to our relationship with the Lord. He's so um, good. He's so good. <laughs> and you know, it's amazing because like the more history you have with God, the more space you provide for him to care for you, Yes. you know, just the longer you walk with him, you can't help but look back and say, you know, God, you have been with me this whole time. And especially in the valleys, I have seen you get me out of them. Mm-hmm. And if, if it even took a really long time to get out of the valleys or you're still in one, at least the Lord is with you in it, which is, is also sometimes the only thing we really need is to know he is with us and he's loving us wherever the heck we are in life. Um, and he's just the sweetest. Amen. He really is just truly the sweetest and you can see it for yourself. So yeah, he's just very, he's very gentle and tender mm. with your heart. Like that idea of the good shepherd, you know, yeah. and, and that Jesus, uh, something I've, I've always been kind of confused by in Catholic devotional life is when people yeah. talk about the sacred heart of Jesus and they're like, Oh, the sacred heart, the sacred heart. And I was like, I mean, I love Jesus, but like, <laughs> what's the deal with his heart? Like, like, why are we talking, like, what was, is the picture and it's like bloody, like, what is the, the deal of this? And somebody explained it to me that it has to do with this kind of overly pious view of God. We some pious in quotes view yeah. of God that we sometimes have that he stands apart and he's just kind of on high being kind of all judgy, you know, almost like Santa Claus. He he's, he's watching and he knows when you're sleeping and awake and he knows yeah. if you've been bad or good. Um, but he doesn't really care about you. And yeah. the sacred heart of Jesus is this devotion that is about like the tenderness of God and he comes close to us and he loves us. And just as it says in that song, good, good father, like he draws us deeper still. He draws us deeper still. Um, I want to read the last part of this song. The storms are raging on the rolling sea and on the highway of regret. The winds of change are throwing wild and free. You ain't seen nothing like me yet. I could make you happy. I could make your dreams come true. Nothing that I wouldn't do. Go to the ends of the earth for you to make you feel my love. I'm like, tearing up like that is jesus to me whoo yeah he's so good <laughs> he's so good oh. oh gosh this is a worship song it is it is totally a 100 percent a worship yeah. song i believe it yeah mm-hmm. yeah oh I well and, and bob, bob dylan had a very a very deep spiritual life so yeah i'd mm-hmm. love to bishop baron if you ever watch my show i'd love to talk with you about bob dylan sometime <laughs> I know he's a big, he's a Bob Dylan stand. Yeah. Thanks. All right. So I think we're coming to the end of our time. A couple of things that I want to ask you before we're done. So I said at the beginning of the show that hopefully by the end, the listeners would have some things that they could put into their life to like know God's love more and to love the God, people around them. Um, what's like one thing that we've talked about that you think people could like do today to like, from, from what we've talked about here? Mm. Well, I don't know if this is a thing that stuck out to anybody else, but when you asked me that, the first thing that pops into my mind that I didn't say is you kept mentioning, uh, you know, while you're in a relationship or, or discerning anything, which is all of life, you know, you always talked about having that prayer life every day. And that's what I wanted to say is like, oh my gosh, when you get into anything new, whatever it is with your career, with a relationship, any vocational thing, um, I heighten, like I, I work on my prayer life even more when there's yeah. something new in my life or there's something that is very important um, because you have to 110% more uh, try to be connected to the Lord if you weren't before when you're trying to figure out life. So for me, anybody right now, um, you know, a lot of us don't have routines for prayer. A lot of us fall off. A lot of us just say, I'll talk to God before I go to bed. But that is just not enough if you want to be the healthiest person, um, the most peaceful person, the most fully alive person that God created you to be. So I'd encourage people right now, if if you're thinking, yeah, I don't really have a prayer routine, take literally 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. I wake up, 
I get my coffee. I, I, I pray a little bit more than 10 minutes, but like take some scripture, read the daily mass readings, just talk to God, uh, pray, you know, a decade of the rosary, whatever it is, but the consistency of meeting with God every day, even just sitting with him, just giving him everything and just sitting there for 10 minutes, that will change your life. And you will have a few less detours in life or a few less things that you would regret. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and kind of what we talked about before praying, not with the spirit of anxiety, but praying with the spirit of surrender and like God's, God's tenderness and his, his deep love for you. So I I, I love that. Listen, listen to what Dana's saying, listeners. She's, she's got some good stuff. Um, (laughs) I was hoping that, um, you could, uh, would you, would you close us in prayer? We've talked about a lot, but I feel like we need to end in prayer. Would you do that for us? Yes. Awesome. Thank you. Listeners, wherever you are, take a moment and let's pray together. All right. Father, son, Holy spirit. Amen. Come Holy spirit. Lord, I just thank you for this conversation and how much it's even just brought joy to my heart. And I, I pray it brings joy and peace and healing, um, and steadiness to the hearts of all listeners and viewers of this, uh, episode. I praise you for Mike and the good work that he's doing. And I just pray that your spirit of peace, your spirit of healing, your spirit of love, just come upon every single person uh, that is with us right now. And I ask that whether we are in a valley or on a mountaintop, whether we're in a really exciting season of life or a really sad and heartbroken season of life, I just pray that you bring us closer to you, Lord. And um, I ask that especially the people that are listening to this are with us, Um, that are really going through a lot of heartache, whatever that means for them, why ever, like whatever reason they're feeling that, I just ask that right now you bring them your peace and you let them know that you love them and help them feel your love. And I ask that you just surprise us over this next week um, with little moments or big moments of us realizing how much you love us, whether that's through somebody that talks to us, whether that's through us um, experiencing you at mass or adoration or just in the comfort of our own home, whatever it is, Lord, I just ask that you give us a greater revelation through these surprises of your deep love for us and, and knowing that that is truly enough in whatever state of life. We are in. We praise you, Lord, and we pray this all through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. Dana, thank you so much. Um, So where where can people find you? We'll have all your your details in the show notes if people want to click on your stuff and and follow you, but um, tell us a little bit, like, music yeah. you're working on that's coming out where, where can people stay up to date yeah so um you can look on spotify apple music anywhere just search dana Catherine, Catherine with a c um that's where you can find me on instagram at dana Catherine music facebook twitter i don't even use twitter that much but i've mm-hmm. got one just look up dana Catherine. um i've you know youtube i've got music videos all of that good stuff um, and yeah, my website is danacatherinemusic.com if anybody wants to listen to my music or book me for any type of event. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for having awesome. me on. You're this welcome. was really, really yeah, great. Yeah, this has been awesome. And, and uh, if you haven't listened to Dana's music before, I, I highly recommend Changes and also uh, Surrender Song is a really cool vibe. Okay. I like that one as well. And Dana, I hope we get to, to work together more in the future. Maybe we'll end up doing a, an event together or, or something. I can I can speak and you can do music or vice versa or whatever. So uh, anybody out there in ministry, <laughs> we'd love to do an event together. All right, listeners, thank you so much. Dana, thank you so much. And listeners, thank you so much. If you have enjoyed this episode, if something has touched you and touched your heart, I really encourage you to share this episode with somebody, either on your social media or just text it to somebody and say, hey, I, I think you would really appreciate this. Maybe they like Adele, maybe they don't, but I encourage you to share that. And the best way to support us, if this has been something that is 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 life-giving for you, is to go to popculturecatechism.com, where you can support Awakened Catholic and all the shows here, especially uh, this show, Pop Culture Catechism, and become a pop culture catechist. And you get all sorts of perks from that. Um, you get exclusive content for every single episode. So I'll be doing a review of uh, Adele's new album, 30, which we didn't really talk about much. So I'll be talking about that in the exclusive content. Also, every time I give a talk in my speaking ministry, that goes in there as well. So you have access to all that, including the six-week lecture series I did over Lent this past year on the greatest hits of Catholic spirituality. So if you're looking for a bump in your prayer life, that's in it. And all of that is available for patrons through the Awaken app. The Awaken app is free for everyone. So if you're looking for a way to implement prayer more into your life, like Dana was talking about, 
the Awaken app is a great place for that. It's also got a great Christian community. If you're looking for a slightly less toxic version of uh, social media, it's also got a Christian prayer library, Christian music library. Um, and like I said, for those who are patrons of the show, there's all sorts of exclusive stuff there that you can't get anywhere else. So thank you for listening. God loves you so much. See you next time. A special thank you and shout out to all of our patrons who make this show possible, but especially Carl and Melissa Gore, Lisa and Bob Tenney, Stephen Maggie Hubbard, Rob Smith, and Tom and Emily Comberiati. Thank you so, 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 so much. And if you're still here, I was really mad at myself during the episode that I could not remember how to play to make you feel my love. So here I am about a month later after my conversation with Dana. Uh, the episode's about to go live. I'm here at my house. I'm going to play the song for you. And as I said in the episode, I always think of this song as just a love letter straight from the heart of Jesus to us. So I hope as you listen, that's what's going through your mind. Here we go. When the rain is blowing in your face And the whole world is on your case I could offer you a warm embrace To make you feel my love When the evening shadows and the stars appear there is no one there to dry your tears I could hold you for a million years To make you feel my love I know you haven't made your mind up yet But I would never do you wrong I've known it from the moment that we met There's no doubt in my mind where you belong I'd go hungry, I'd go black and blue I'd go crawling down the avenue There's nothing that I wouldn't do to make you feel my love The storms are raging on the rolling sea And on the highway of regret The winds of change are blowing wild and free You ain't seen nothing like me yet I can make you happy, make your dreams come true There's nothing that I wouldn't do Go to the ends of the earth for you To make you feel my love To make you feel my love